Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about cleaning out your junk drawer of habits. <laughs> well, plus it's the beginning. This is our first episode for 2022. So it's yes. the perfect time to think about how we want to be and do going forward. Yeah, right. So uh, we were just talking before the show about how your um, a lot of times at this time of year, people think about maybe cleaning out their wardrobe or organizing their junk drawer or um, this sort of physical things that happen maybe after the holidays, maybe go on a diet or whatever. And you kind of like, mm-hmm. it's like a giant reset button in a lot of ways. And uh, I started a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, I started doing this January thing called the 10 day system challenge where it's this, it's you know, five emails Monday through Friday for two weeks where it basically starts off um, analyzing what your current routines are, capturing that information and understanding what your current state is. And then, and then deciding and the next step, the big one is like deciding which ones of these things just got injected in there by accident or somebody else put on you and you never actually agreed to or something that used to make sense, but doesn't make sense anymore, Mm. but you didn't stop doing it. Yeah. Um, also things that there's some some really hilarious kind of just daily routines that you um, well so first you can and then you can kind of just get rid of those and uh, and then you're the left hilarious with ones the, no the, <laughs> I get ahead of myself there, there's the stuff that's just like oh this is this is like a dead plant in my living room I should probably get rid of this you know it's mm. doing nothing except it's doing nothing good and maybe it's doing some bad so get rid of that. And then when at the remaining stuff that still does make sense to do, a lot of times people kind of pinball around and do like, this is the hilarious thing. They kind of pinball around and like do it, do all of the things, but they do them in a really inefficient order. And, yeah. you know, you ever like go down, like, like I'll go out to the garage and then come back in and, and like have forgotten to do the thing that I went out to the garage for. <laughs> Or, no, no, that never happens to me. Yeah, or go out for a screwdriver and come back in and be like, oh, I didn't bring the screws. So, you know, just just total stupidity. And those those are funny because people are like, oh, wow, I should just bring all of this stuff downstairs at once or or whatever, you know. And when you when you get to the end of this, if you optimize your routines, especially daily routines, it, it of course it frees up time that's nice but it mm-hmm. also it also um it's like like when we're ever talking about checklists or sops or something it do, it lifts a weight off of you it it's this cognitive yes. weight where every day you're deciding or remembering like oh i forgot to brush my teeth or i sh-, you know I, whatever your routine is if you just do it in an order the stuff that's going to happen every day it gives you more freedom. It might sound like it would feel more robotic, but it doesn't. It feels like you feel like, oh, that's like taken care of. This is like done. It was done in an efficient way. I didn't, but most importantly, I didn't have to think about it at all instead of constantly this pinballing reaction to like, oh, I forgot to do this. Oh, I forgot to do that. Oh, I've got to go back upstairs and get my shoes or like, you know, so, you know, it's, it's more than organizing. It's, it's more systematizing, right? So that's why I, I called it the system challenge. Well, it makes me think of, you know, the famous example is, is Steve Jobs wearing his black turtleneck right, yeah, in his exactly. jeans. He, he mm-hmm. didn't want to have to think about that, didn't want to dedicate brain space to something that didn't matter to him. Yeah, I do the same thing. <laughs> it's like there's, if, if you ever see a video of me, there's nine times out of ten I'm going to be wearing a black T-shirt. 
<laughs> and see, for me, the what I'm wearing is more important than that. I do want to put some effort into that, but I'm sure there are things I put no in effort into at all that would be really important to you or to somebody else. Mm. But yeah, and the other thing I just want to say for the creatives in the group, because I have this problem sometimes too, is that you know, there are certain things that we do every day, like brushing your teeth or you know go to the gym, what, whatever those things are. And if you, I generally believe in stacking activities so that I'm doing similar activities all at once and I'm being really efficient. But when there are things that you don't necessarily enjoy doing, but you feel you have to for whatever reason, mm-hmm. it helps to spread them out to not do them all in one, you know, giant chunk. So maybe I'll do some routine things in the morning, um, like brushing my teeth. I mean, I don't mind brushing my teeth. It's it's a gift I give myself and anybody who's near me, <laughs> um, right? But but in the in the afternoon when I eat lunch, there's certain things I'll do then because it's a logical time to do them and it makes the rest of my day brighter. Like I'll pick up my space, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'll pick up my desk and put everything away so that when I come in in the morning, it looks, you know, neat and organized and pretty and it's the way I want it. So it's not just that you have to do everything in a robotic way, the same way every day. You can, you know, you can break it up a little bit as long as you're not expending extra brain space to do that. Yeah, right. If you're, I think whether or not you self-identify as a creative, I think anybody listening to this show has to bring creative effort or creativity to bear in their job. And it's like, do you really want to apply it to your morning routine? Like, imagine there's a finite amount of creativity that you have every day, which I think is true. Uh, Whether if you might feel like energy or attention or focus or creativity, whatever you want to call it, if you imagine that you have a finite amount of it do you really want to burn it like on your morning routine of like you know shaving or whatever is like not Mm -hmm. it doesn't like applying creativity to stuff that is just totally repetitive it seems like an inefficient or a silly way to burn that that precious resource yeah well and I also think I don't know if it's that there's a limit to creativity or there's a limit to the brain space you can use at peak performance levels throughout the day I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. So I'm planning a dinner party and it started to take up way too much of my brain, like way <laughs> too much. I was, I was thinking, well, OK, so we have this, we have this. And what am I going to put on the table and how am I going to do this? And I finally just said, OK, Rochelle, here's what we're going to do. You're going to spend a half an hour. You're going to figure all this out. You're going to write it all down. You're going to make a list and then you're going to stop thinking about it. And I don't know if that's systematizing, but for me, it allowed my brain to just look at one thing that wasn't related to my work, but that I did want to be done well, and then push it aside and go on to something else that, you know, was more meaningful. Yeah, I would call that time boxing. And I think it's it's a system in a sense, but I, I think that's its own category where, but, you know, it, maybe I misunderstood, but that that's how it feels to me. And I we just finished, as we're recording this, we just finished a, uh, a five-day podcast challenge. So like in five days, you know, I had 10 or 20 people go through this five days, like from zero to podcast. And, you know, is five days enough time to create a good podcast? No. But if you give yourself that time box, it it makes it impossible to do what usually happens when people start a podcast, which is spend six months researching the best mic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's <laughs> like, you know, you're going to be inviting guests. It's hello, everybody. It's Monday. On Friday, you're going to be inviting guests to your new show. So here's the mic you're going to use. End yeah. of story. 
Here's yeah. the software you're going to use. End of story. Is there other software that might be better? Maybe. Probably. This is good enough. This is good enough. This is, so it's all about the time boxing, I think, helps quite a bit with the good enough slash perfectionism thing where you have yes. a task that could always, it's basically an unbounded task. Like the more you work on it, the better it will feel like it's getting. Therefore, it's it becomes like <laughs> infinite. Except- Except it doesn't. Well, that's the whole theory behind how I wrote my book. You know, I gave it a 30 day. I think time boxing is a great way to think about it. That 30 days, that's exactly what I did. This will be written in 30 days. The first draft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So habits. You mentioned mentioned stacking. I really like that one. I use that a lot with students where the common one is... um, a common, just to give people an example, a really common one is is uh, proactive outreach. I don't want to call it outreach. I'm trying not to call it outreach, but that's kind of the word. So it's like proactive, uh, maybe relationship building or maintenance is a better way to think of it, where, you know, you've got somebody who's who's drowning in client work. They're working 40 hours a week or more, maybe only 30 billable or whatever. They're working a lot in the business. And they're not taking any time to work on the business. Mm-hmm. And then the, you know, the project finishes. They haven't done any any kind of biz dev, let's call it, or marketing or positioning or outreach or anything. They've done nothing. They've been solely fanatically focused on this one client or a couple of clients. And now they're like at loose ends. And, you know, and then they'll reach out to me and say, um, how can I drum up work real fast? What should I say in an email to people who our potential clients or I want to reach back out to past clients. Mm-hmm. What should I say in the email? And I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is the worst possible time to be emailing it, that cohort. Yeah. Oh, I hate that question. When I yeah. I that. hate it too, but I understand the cash flow issue and there are yeah. some answers to those questions. There's a way to do it better than worse. So, but I'm like, but, but you need to promise me that you're not going to do this again. And the way to do it is to keep in touch with people periodically and in the so that i'll say to somebody like do you drink coffee like every morning and they'll say yeah or whatever they do every morning yeah and say okay every single morning i want you to email one person make a list of people and your I authority want you to, circle exactly build your authority circle have and i want you list. to email one of those people every single day even if it's just to say hi how's it going and that's just instead of doom scrolling on twitter delete twitter first of all <laughs> delete facebook delete tiktok Delete Instagram off of your phone. If you need to do it for work, do it on your laptop. Delete all that stuff off your phone. And while you're having coffee, email or text or whatever, somebody from one of these circles. And just, you know, like that's the perfect time yep. because you're not, you because you don't need anything. <laughs> you're not yeah. desperate. Yeah. Right. And you, and you stack it because when you do one, it's really easy to go, oh, yeah, I'm in the mood. Let me find somebody else on the list mm-hmm. that I can do this for. And the stacking also works for uh, one of the ways I use it, um, especially after the book, is to do podcast pitching. Great one. So, mm-hmm. you know, I want to sit because it's it it takes some time. Mm-hmm. And usually what happens is when you're looking for one podcast, you'll find five others. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you have like all of a sudden you have six to look at and it's, you know, you take a couple of hours, you figure out who you want to potentially uh, guest with, you look at their stuff, you listen to some episodes, you, uh, hopefully you already have, uh, you know, at least the bare bones of a, of a pitch letter, right? If not, mm-hmm. you're going to craft that. And then you send off a bunch. So you send off five or six at one time and you do that, 
you know, once a week or once a month, depending on, you know, what your strategy is. Mm -hmm. So much easier. Yeah. And in between the outreach, guess what else you can be doing as you're having your coffee and like sort of scrolling through podcasts, if that's the, if that's one of your tactics, which probably is a good one. What else, Jonathan? You could find some of these episodes and instead of being like, I'm going to get my way, I'm going to work my way onto that show. You can start, what do you think a podcast host wants more than anything? They want reviews and they want people to share their stuff on social media. So rate and review a podcast that you thought was really good. Mm-hmm. Do the, share it, at mention them, find them on Twitter, share it. That was, I think that's how we met. I was, yeah, I was like, oh man, this Rochelle person's sharing a ton of good blog posts. And so I was resharing them on Twitter and then we kind of like started to orbit around each other. I made and, you, I made you talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> So you can, yeah, you I, can help I just them. got that the other day. I, I, yesterday, I got an acceptance on a, on a really wonderful podcast. And I realized in his signature, he actually asked for reviews. He's like, if you really love this podcast, you know, go here and write a review. And I thought, you know, that's a great way to do a, an ask that is absolutely appropriate. Right. Yeah. So that could just be part of your routine. Take, you know, it takes a, a cup of coffee. It wouldn't even take, you'd still be drinking your coffee and you'd be done with it. And that those those kinds of habits, I'm not saying, of course, I'm not saying that is the one you should do, but these these working on your business type of of day habits, I think, are best when they're daily, like flossing or gardening or, you know, you just do a little teeny weeny bit of work on it, but every day or at least every weekday. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy and do it in the morning because it's, it's like. Well, I guess it's different. You could say because well, you read that book when and you've got different opinions I, about I, that. I would do them in the morning. I, I don't send anything on Monday morning before 11, which is an old habit drilled into me by a sales mentor of mine. <laughs> Never before 11 on a Monday. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, but other so, than that. Yeah, that could be true. And, and I, I don't have strong advice about this. I know that... Um, Depends on I know your a audience, lot of students, too. Yeah. I, I know a lot of students who are natural networkers who... They do it in the afternoon when they're kind of brain dead. So like they do they do the really hard thinking stuff around 11 or 12, you know, whatever, in the early mm-hmm. part of the day. And then they're, they're kind of like wrung out after that. And But they can do like dopey social media sharing and connecting and DMs and, and just conversations because it's, you know, it's sort of interactive and you don't have to, you know, you're not doing, you're not, you're not providing all of the energy. So it's... Uh, it's maybe a little more easy in the afternoon, but what, whatever the time is for you, it's like take the habit and stack it on something uh, that you do every day anyway. And it's just, you're just going to, you're just going to remind you. It's like this automatic yes. alarm that goes off. You know, it's like, uh, it's like there are certain things that I check every day, like a, a lot of times. There are a couple of applications I open like, 50 times a day, maybe at least 20. And if I want to make sure that I'm going to get something done, I'm either going to put it in one of those places. So it's just constantly in my face. Mm. Or if it's not appropriate for some reason in one of those places, I'm going to link it to something that I just never forget, you know, yes. so it's yes. kind of like finding an inbox in the physical world where it's, it's like an alarm that you set for yourself. It's like, oh yeah, when I'm making coffee, uh, I start the dishwasher or, you know, whatever the, whatever the habit yeah. is. 
I like that the linking, stacking and linking. But before we move too far away from what you were talking about, I just want to add a little trick that I found works really, really well, which is if, if morning is a good time for you to do detailed work, push your lunch as late as you can. Mm. It's an interesting trick I learned from a trainer many years ago. So a lot of, if you're going to like training events, a lot of them break like at 1130 or 12, go to one or 1.30, because what happens is the sharp part of your brain is still working and you can push it past that. And then once you have lunch, it's gonna slow you down a little bit, typically. It's gonna mm-hmm. change the energy that you're working with. So just push as much as you can, push, put your, push your lunch out as far as you can, do those complex tasks in the morning, assuming morning is your time for that. And then it's like you feel sometimes like you get an extra hour out of the day by doing that. Mm, That's a good one. I could totally see that. I I try never to eat lunch anyway. Like, it's funny because when I do eat lunch, I should map that. I almost never eat lunch. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when do you eat breakfast? Because I know you're you're a night owl. I have weird hours, right? Um, A lot of times I don't eat breakfast. So I'll do, um, I do this like 10, 10.30 p.m. to 10:30 a.m. fast and i usually wake up around 10 or 11 so you know and i'll stay up to like three or four so if i wake up at 10 or 11 i, I could start eating immediately but a lot of times i'll have like to go to the gym or have a, a lot of phone calls scheduled at 11 so i'll, I'll wait until after that to eat it kind of depends on how busy i am but that, that kind of works because if you think of dinner as your lunch because it sort of is. Dinner is basically wake. my lunch. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the later you push that, the the more theoretically, the more focus time you have. If that's your focus time, your focus time might be like at ten o'clock at night when the house is quiet. Yeah, it is. So it's but it's more like twelve. But yeah, <laughs> just get quiet <laughs> until about twelve. But yeah. So our time, our whole schedule has shifted late. But you're right. My dinner is basically my lunch. We we eat dinner pretty regularly at six or six thirty, right around there. Um, it's def- it's by far the biggest meal of the day. So days when for some reason I'm really hungry at like, th- it'll happen at three, it kind of ruins my dinner. I always regret doing it. Mm. Uh, it's like, it's just one of those, it just feels like a fat day. It's like, ugh, I just feel lethargic the whole day. Um, I don't know why. It's like in the morning, oh, I just guaranteed black coffee. That's the thing I need. I'm telling you, do this. You have a snack that has protein, carbs, and fat. So have like, you could have like three ounces of tuna fish out of the can, for example, or Mm -hmm. a piece of leftover chicken, just a small bit, Uh, maybe um, either like an almond or, you know, not an almond, maybe three almonds So for some fat. And then something with carbs. Um, I always like a piece of cheese, although that's not the best carb, but it could be a vegetable like cucumber or some carrots. Just have Mm -hmm. a snack. I'm telling you, it's the combination of having proteins, carbs, and fats gives you energy, but it won't weigh you down because you're just uh, having a little bit. I'm sure that's true, but this the the lunch that I'll have is like, oh, the kids left their Cheez-Its laying around. <laughs> I don't want to throw those out. No, it doesn't work that way. That doesn't work, right. Yeah, no. I 100% no. agree that, that the food that you stuff in your face at three is going to have an effect on, yeah. So, yeah, so usually what happens is I'm like, I have like 10 minutes of, of like, or more like 20 minutes before my next call and I'm and then I have time to notice that I'm kind of hungry or like that I'm bored mm. 
and I'll just be like, oh, I'll just I'll clean up the kitchen and then I'll like eat the yeah. leftovers from somebody's Cheez-Its or something disgusting yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. I'm basically throwing <laughs> garbage in my body. <laughs> so I tried to, I just, in the morning, I just have like a humongous black coffee and it, I, sometimes, when does it happen? It, on every other Thursday, I do a video call with my group coaching community and and sometimes my stomach is grumbling so loud, I'm afraid the mic's going to pick it up. But it's also on Thursdays, I, I do uh, in-person gym appointment at 11. So I get out of that. I have to take a shower really fast. I don't have time, usually don't have time to even grab anything. And then I've got this 90-minute monologue. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm definitely way too hungry. Like my stomach is audibly growling. Mm. But I normally, other than that, other than that, like every other week, I never get that hungry. I just, my stomach doesn't growl. So anyway, I don't know why we're going down the food rabbit hole, but I guess. <laughs> because food is energy. I mean, yeah, you know, I some of us eat to live. Some of us live mm-hmm. to eat. But food, regardless of your philosophy, food is still energy. So it, mm. it can help to fuel the habits. Yeah, I suppose so. And it is a thing that you generally are going to do every day and you can stack on top of it. So I guess that was the other the, yeah. the coffee thing. Like for me, I know. Like a day does not go by that I don't have coffee in the morning. Like that doesn't. Oh, happen. I know. We have we have held off on recording to make sure you got your <laughs> your Java fix first. Right. <laughs> and we have, I have a very complicated coffee process. It just gets more complicated the older I get. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't laugh. I mean, I'm a big tea drinker, and if you look at almost any video of me, I'm sipping some tea somewhere in there. <laughs> so I'm I'm every bit as guilty. <laughs> so what are um, I know. We, I mean, we've had James Clear on the show before, who's the guru of habits, and and he wrote the book Atomic Habits. And a, a lot of my articulation of the thing, the tricks that I've done in the past, are, are well put in that book. So, like the habit stacking thing, I had never thought of before, and I don't use it that much. I do use it a little bit. Uh, I find it. I find it fabulous. It works for a lot of students when I suggest it. Um, but the other one is streaks and. And mm-hmm. that that one is I'm all about that. It's in my DNA to not want to break a streak. I don't know why. Um, yeah, well, I guess I do know why. I know as soon as I break it, it's gonna fall apart. So your whole life will fall apart if you. It miss feels like the that. It, it feels like that. It feels like that. That's the feeling. And I know it's irrational, but I use that irrational fear to prevent me from screwing it up yeah but that's that's the point of everything we're talking about is you use your own personal wiring to help yourself i mean why not if you know streaks work for you why not use it i think it's great Mm -hmm. yeah someone asked me on a podcast recently i might have talked about this here too they said um uh would you ever quit doing your daily list and and there's no better word for terror to describe my reaction to that thought. I was like, that would be terrifying. And they were like, you know, they did not expect that answer. And I was like, that's that's like saying, uh, would you ever stop working on your garden that you feed your family with? You know, it's like, yeah. no, it will yeah. obviously die. Like the, the, yes. the family, the air quotes, family that I'm supporting with that activity would die. <laughs> it, would, it might take a year. But, you know, if if you let the garden, if you don't tend to the garden, it will die. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. It's an asset, but not a standalone asset. It needs tending. It's not like putting money in a, I don't know, a mutual fund somewhere and letting it sit there for 50 years. Right. It's It needs tending. Right. 
And there are other benefits to it too. Just like it's fun. It deepens my thinking about things. It makes me, um, it, it increases the odds that I'm going to have insights or be more yes. useful to people and like all of those makes good things. But coach. Sure. But, but the, but the terror comes from <laughs> garden dies, right? Yeah. It's like, it's funny Family too hungry. to talk about it. Family hungry. Yes. Uh, car as home. So the, the, but the flip side of it, to someone who is used to trading time for money, the idea of starting a garden sounds like a massive amount of cost because they're like, well, how many hours a week do you spend on that? It's like, well, say it's, say it's, it's not five, but say it's five, right? They're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, that's, that's, you know, a thousand dollars. Like, like I could have billed out 200 bucks an hour. It's a thousand dollars. And like, when's this going to pay off? I, I wrote every day for a week and nothing's happened. <laughs> you know and it's it's tough yeah. to, to switch to switch the hunter mentality to the gardener mentality so the hunter mentality is like like i'm going to feast on this buffalo until i run out and then i'm gonna wake up early with my spear and hopefully go find and bag a buffalo and bring it back here and feast on it for three months and yeah to, to yeah and to switch you, the you really mindset have to, do to both to switch the but when you're starting is my point. Oh, when yeah, you're yeah. starting, Agreed. you know, because you've got to have something to eat while you're yeah, yeah, yeah. while you're gathering. Right. And that's so you the, start that's, there. That's tricky part, right? Because then you've, yeah. you've got to hunt and get the buffalo, but you also need to be planting a garden. And it's a ton of work yeah. in that phase. It so is. And, until the tomatoes start coming up, you're like, what am I doing? I could have spent all this time getting more buffalo jerky. And <laughs> instead, I am I'm just like digging around in the dirt and getting all muddy. And I have to go hunting. You're right. Because you, mm-hmm. you have to do both at first. And then, but once those tomatoes start coming up, you're like, oh, I don't need as much buffalo, you know? And, yeah. you know, apologies to the vegetarians in the audience, but it's like, it, it takes time for that shift to happen. And so there needs to be this like leap of faith that tomatoes will eventually come up. So people who, people who have a hard time believing that and are maybe even pretty good at, at, at catching buffalo, you know, going out into the woods with their spear, uh, it it can be a big leap of faith, first of all, that it, that it works at all. And then the other thing is like, they're like, I'm not good at this. So I feel like I'm gardening wrong in the first place. So not only is this going to take a long time and I could be, mm. and they're feeling this opportunity cost of like, I could be doing something else to feed my family now instead of something to feed my family in the future. They're like, but, and what if I'm doing it wrong and no tomatoes come up? Then I've just yeah. completely wasted the time. So there's lots yeah. of fear there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, ultimately, a hunting doesn't scale unless you get a bunch of other hunters. So for, and you can do yes. that. You, you oh, can do that's that. it. Yeah, you that's know, an approach. I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm thinking, you know, when I was running a national consulting practice, I had these salespeople and there was one who was, she was almost always the number one salesperson and she was a hunter. Oh yeah. my God, she was amazing. But the thing that made her so good was she was just enough of a gardener with relationships mm. that she understood where where the buffalo came from, right? So she was talking to the baby buffalo or the <laughs> buffaloes that were going to come into Wyoming at that point. You know, uh-huh. she was really good at that. And I, I, to this day... She is the best example I can think of of a highly successful salesperson who did both. 
Interesting. Yeah, it, I, it I have not sense. met many of them. They tend to be one or the other, especially when you're doing when you're selling something that's based on long term relationships. It's a slow it's a slow grow, and most of the successful people in those big um, relationship selling situations are going to be gardeners. But mm. uh, this was a she was definitely definitely a hunter. Mm. Well, so it was really fun might- to watch. Uh, yeah, I probably read a book. They're probably she probably read a book. Um, so it might be a good time to like pull it back to the the long view. Like, what's the point of talking about habits in the first place? Um, you know, from a business standpoint, for me, there's like one reason, and it's to create leverage in your business by working on the business a little bit every day, so that you don't have the feast famine buffalo cycle. You know, it's like, like we didn't really start off by saying, why does it matter? I guess we kind of implied it, but mm-hmm. um, to me that that's, that's the reason it's like to get back time and it's all the same thing. You're just creating, you're creating more leverage by um, getting rid of stuff that doesn't need to be done and then doing little things frequently that do need to be done, but they don't need to be a giant deal. So how do you sort of know what things to do and then let's call it trick yourself into doing them? in a way that's like painless and relatively effortless. Well, I, I, I agree with all that. And I would add on top of that, um, that you can also buy back time. And it's not exactly Ooh. the focus of, of what you're doing there, but we, we can buy back time by hiring people to do things that you believe must be done. And it's not just about the business. It might be that you hire somebody to uh, mow your lawn, you hire Mm -hmm. somebody to buy your groceries, or you get a grocery delivery service or a meal delivery service, you hire somebody to watch your kids after school or to pick them up. It's, it's buying back time in whatever part of your life is necessary so that you have more focus and more time to build your business and grow your revenue. Mm hmm. Yeah, I love that phrase, buying your time back. I yeah. love that. Yeah. You know. I, we're so afraid. It's really interesting. I've, I've had people who will think nothing of spending $100,000 to make some big investment in their business. But, oh, no, I, I can't. I just can't have somebody mow my lawn. You know, that's like how I how I think of myself or or walk my dog. I can't do that. I can't spend ten dollars, but I can spend a hundred thousand. Sometimes right. the ten dollars will give you more value. So I, I have two examples of that exact irrationality just from our household. Um, I will not pay a dog walker because, like, I, I'm like I should be walking the dog more. It would be more time outside. It would be exercise for me too. But I definitely don't walk the dog every day. You know, we have a yard with a fence, and so she can run around. Mm-hmm. But but I don't walk her every day. She'd love it if I did, and I would like it too. But I don't. So instead of being like, oh well, I should you know I should face facts. Like I'm not going to walk the dog as much as she would like. So I might as well hire someone. But I never do because then that affects my. Because then I would feel like a loser. Like I can't even walk my dog. Mm-hmm. Like that's ridiculous. Yep. It's, and Erica, it's what you has tell the, yourself. Right. And Erica has the exact same thing with laundry. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's our, literally our neighbors every, like maybe it's weekly. I'm not sure that a van drives up to their house. It's like the laundry shop and they like take out all this beautifully folded sacks of laundry and bring them <laughs> into the house and they're done. Oh, love it. Love it. And I, I have done this in the past. I absolutely love it. It's worth every penny, but she's got the same kind of block where it's like, yeah. we sh- we shouldn't. That's we should do that. 
You know, it's like, are we so lazy that we can't do our own laundry? And I'm like, yes, (laughs) yes, I am that lazy. (laughs) Yeah. So I think part of this is like looking at the things that you think just can't be done or that shouldn't, and I use that word in quotes, shouldn't be outsourced. Yeah. Because we all have those. I was just talking on a, a podcast with a guy who was talking about the first time he hired somebody to mow the lawn and he was talking about how long it took him because he didn't have the big riding lawnmower and he had this kind of janky lawnmower and he's trying to figure this all out and finally he's like, all right, I'm just going to hire somebody. Felt really guilty, talked to his wife ahead of time. They agreed they were going to do it. He goes, the guy comes. He said, it took me an hour and a half to do a crappy job. They're there in 30 minutes and they're done. Do I care that it takes 30 minutes? No, I pay his fee happily. I am a happier man and my family is happier that I'm not mowing the lawn. And their neighbors. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure if you can listen to 30 minutes of mow instead of an hour and a half, it's got to be good, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's one that we, uh, that's one that we both agree on, Er (laughs) Erica and I, and you, um, Mm -hmm. just like the landscaping was, it's like a not- not to, not negotiable. <laughs> like at the beginning of COVID, I cut all recurring bills just, you know, for a couple of months to see what would happen and uh, including the, the landscapers. And then after a couple of months, Eric was like, man, the landscapers are really, they have not been around. Like, oh, I, I told you I canceled all like uh, uh, non-essential things. And she was like, the landscaper's essential. <laughs> she <laughs> goes, we don't even have a lawnmower. Like, are you going to go out and buy a lawnmower? I was like, all right, all right, all right, all right. And in yeah. fact, they came yesterday. I was saying before the show, we didn't have to worry about uh, leaf blowers while we we're recording because they came yesterday and like walking into the backyard and it just being like all clean. Pristine. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, it's funny because we just did the exact same thing. We live in a in a community so the external landscaping is done for us. But we have a this really giant patio with, you know, some trees and bushes and things like that. And so... Um, before we were having some friends over who'd not seen our place, so we wanted it to look really nice. My husband walks in and kind of sheepishly says, would you mind if maybe we called so-and-so and had them come and do this? And I looked at him and I realized he felt like he was supposed to do it. Hmm. And he said, I'm not sure I know how to cut the branches on that one. I'm a little worried. I said, oh, call him. So not only does the guy come over, he cleans up everything. It was like, oh, you know, when he was done, (laughs) it was so beautiful. And then um, I remembered his wife does windows and we have a ton of windows you know it's palm springs everything's like big floor to ceiling windows Mm -hmm. and so i said oh i know it's last minute but let's see if maybe she would be willing to come and do the windows so she came same afternoon so we had all of our windows cleaned inside and out we had all of the stuff done it cost us three hundred dollars yeah and i looked at harvey and he looked at me and we're like Oh, we are so never doing this ourselves again. Yeah, never, right? ever, ever. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so right at the. At, you know, I'm sure we sound super bougie, but the the point is, I know we do. The, the point is, like the the key mindset issue is what you, is what you brought up with the person who's willing to invest a hundred thousand dollars in the business, but not three hundred dollars in their environment or something that's going to give them energy or buy back time. It's like, and yeah. it's, it's this, you know, like I said, the, with the dog walking thing, it doesn't, I, you know, I can say this all day long, but you know, get back to me in six months. I'm not going to have a dog walker. Like I know I'm not, but 
you know, but there are things, I mean, maybe that's, it's a little bit easier to argue that with something like that than it would be for a business expense. For example. No, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute, though. If you didn't have a yard, you wouldn't have a choice. You'd have to walk the dog. And I bet you'd hire somebody. Um, you have an alternative. That's true. Mm-hmm. If you think of, if you, I find that it's easier for people, people who have this block, I, I find they have a little bit easier time justifying it, the spend on stuff like that in, in the business, because it's a mm-hmm. little bit more directly related to income or they can do more billable hours if they're still billing by that, the hour. So it, it's, but the thing that I see people, it's so common with software developers to be like, uh, uh, Drip's not perfect, and ConvertKit's not perfect, and Mailchimp's not perfect, and I'm a software developer, so I'm going to make my own ESP, oh, you know, my own email no. service provider. I'm going to send my own. It's just like, oh. no, no, oh, I know. We all have those things. Everybody's got one. Right. Some of it's us like have when, two or three. <laughs> yeah. When the purchase sort of turn comes comes close to you know cobblers outsourcing shoe production for their kids you know it it starts to be like well i should just be making those shoes after all i'm a cobbler yes but but it's still insanity to like it's like saying like oh i'm gonna make all of my own woodworking tools because i don't want to spend i don't know 300 bucks on a table saw i don't want to spend 40 bucks on a really nice hammer i'm just gonna build all that stuff and like, okay, if that's your hobby and you want to, you know, and you're, you're like a Sturbridge Village, you know, reenactment of the <laughs> <laughs> the pilgrims or something, like that's one thing if you're like cosplaying a settler. But if you're, if you're just like, like a carpenter wouldn't do that. Like if a tool exists, like someone who does that for a job isn't going to do that. No, you know, I'm not they saying they don't make it. Yeah, they're going to buy it. Like, of course, there's maybe there's some tool that doesn't exist or is like insanely expensive or or the the ones you purchase aren't as good as the one they could make, like a jig or there's some things maybe. But by and large, like a construction guy or a carpenter, they're not going to make their own table saw replacement. They're going to buy a table saw. No. And they're happy to buy it. They part of their pride is having the tools that they need to do the job. Right. So I guess we're we're sort of migrating from outsourcing to people to outsourcing to tools, you know, so if there's, uh, so if we're to pull it all the way back and contextualize it, we're talking about creating habits and routines and processes to make you more efficient at the stuff that you really need to devote your attention to and getting back time and attention from things you don't. And one, you know, one thing is just to get rid of the things you don't need to do. The next thing is to make the things you do need to do at least in a in as efficient a way as you can and then there's the outsourcing things that need to be done but you don't need to do to other people and then now we're up to outsourcing things that you that do need to be done but not necessarily by you to tools or automation or you know software systems or or something like that well it's genius zone territory is what we're talking about is that's what we're trying to get to is where you're spending as much of your time as humanly possible on the things that you love to do and are insanely good at and that contribute to the overall growth and success of your business. Yeah. Biggest impact. Right. So yeah. Right. Yeah. So here's, here's another one for new, because I just went through the podcasting thing. I can't justify spending $12 a month on transistor or whatever hosting platform I'm going to use for my podcast because it's not making $12 a month. So there it's like there it's like mm. every expenditure needs to have a direct ROI, positive okay. ROI. Gotcha. And it it's like, you know, 
No, <laughs> no, it no. doesn't. <laughs> you know, I, 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 and I'm totally guilty. I'll point the finger at myself first. The very first podcast I did was, I think we did it, started it in 2013. It was like a tech podcast with me and my friend Kelly. And, you know, we were both software developers. So, of course, I built my own website and, it, you know, own <laughs> RSS feed and uh, all of the different subscription links for different players on mobile. And it was a fun exercise. And I learned a lot about um, what a waste of time it is to do that <laughs> when you could just just pick one of the many inexpensive off the shelf things. And uh, yeah, and, you know, the website's still up niche.cc. If you go there, you'll see my hand rolled, very unimpressive <laughs> utilitarian you know stupid it was it was like a complete waste of time like <laughs> so but i you know i've done it i, I learned yeah. my I, I feel like i've learned my lesson well i'm still impressed you could do it at all i mean i i used one of the uh what i think it was network solutions where you like take the, it's like a plug and play you, you you can theoretically program your own website by taking these blocks and i did that when i first started because i didn't know what i wanted to do mm. and I, I i actually had fun with that but yeah i, I probably wasted a day figuring yeah. it out and then doing it somebody else could have done it faster but I learned enough to know I never want to do it again. Right. Yeah. It's like your it's like your friend mowing their own lawn badly. It yeah. takes a long time and the output is terrible. So well, mine like, wasn't terrible. It just uh, wasn't uh-huh. it was it was serviceable, I guess I would say. It was serviceable. Okay. But yeah, it still it looked like building blocks from Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> so let's yeah. So let's so let's bring it back to habits though. It's not really the show's not really about creating leverage, although that does kind of. Well, that's why we do habits. Yeah. Yeah, it's just one way to create leverage. And what does leverage mean? It means that your input force is magnified to create more output force than than you put in. You know, you get on the long end of the lever mm-hmm. and you can lift a car. So so cool. You wouldn't be able to do that directly. Um, is there anything else? Anything else? <sighs> habit specific stacking linking streaks streaks time boxing which we sort of went down our little rabbit hole but i think that was helpful Mm -hmm. no i think i think we i think we hit it i mean i think that the the process of looking at your habits is always illuminating and since we had talked about offline about doing habits for this episode i i looked at my own and mm-hmm. I started tracking, you know, in 15 minute increments because I thought it was interesting. And it's just so not funny, haha. It's just funny to look at how you spend your time and then step back and say, really? That's what I did with that time? I mean, seriously. And, and for me, one of the things that showed up when I did that is I had this hole from when I was doing the book. I was so used to dedicating two hours a day, no matter what, to a creative enterprise that when I looked at my schedule, I thought, you know what? I'm not dedicating two hours a day to something creative. I'm not. <laughs> and you liked it, right? Oh, I did. I did. And so for me, that was the light bulb. It's like, aha, I need to have a piece of every day where I'm working on something that is is. I think of as creative and it might be really hard, you know, writing the book wasn't the easiest thing I've ever done, but it was definitely, um, helpful. It was, uh, self-fulfilling. It fueled energy and creation for other things. So yeah, 
I'm, I, I just encourage people to give it a try. Just track 15 minute increments for, I don't know how long you do it in your program. I would say if you're really wondering, do it for a week or two, just so you get all the, um, the irregular things mm-hmm. reflecting in your calendar. But I, th- I think it will tell you something. Yep. Yeah, we do it, since it's only a 10-day thing, we do it for the first 24 hours, track everything, like down mm-hmm. even smaller than 15-minute increments. Um, I mean, there's always someone who's like, well, how, exactly how, like, I moved my left hand over to the steering <laughs> wheel? Like, like, no, but, you know, a level that you can is, is go as granular as you can keep up with, and it'll automatically stop at a particular point. But it, it's like, mm, you yeah. know. So for certain routines, you're going to go in like super detail, like, you know, woke up, made the bed or didn't, walked the dog or didn't, you know, put the, went to the bathroom, um, forgot to floss my teeth, you know, just like there's certain routines that have a million moving parts that are going to be more detailed. And there are other things that are just like, you drove the kids to karate and that's like 20 minutes, you know, so, you know, sat in the parking lot, worked on my laptop, you know, it's... The granularity goes up and down depending on the nature of the task throughout the day. But for t- doing it for 24 hours is enough to dramatically be eye-opening. You're not going to catch everything because, like you said, a lot of things recur on a weekly or biweekly or monthly basis. So you you could just land on a 24-hour period that is the exception or something like that. But it doesn't matter because the, the point is to get you to notice um, – not the specifics of all of the different things that you do, although you could do that and it would be very interesting and helpful. It's mostly just to open your eyes to the fact of how much stuff you do completely unconsciously and in yeah. a really inefficient way where things could be cut out or optimized or uh, or outsourced. So it's it's the, the point really is to get people to say, oh my God, like I do 75% of my day on autopilot. That is mm-hmm. eye-opening. Yeah. And it's like, okay, or you're in reactive mode constantly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then we just go on from there and, you know, a lot of talk about SOPs and leverage and else, like all the things we kind of talked about today. So, you know, it seemed like a good topic for this time of year because people are probably, you know, trying to make new good habits and break old bad ones and... You know, if you if you read Atomic Habits, you'll know that New Year's resolutions don't work. <laughs> yeah. Statistically, provably, do not work. Yeah. So, creating daily habits uh, is a is it's just much more effective. I just love how all of our minds tend to be primed right around the first of a new year, mm-hmm. and we we are primed to do things. And I, I think the key, which James Cloud talks about extensively, is just building the muscle. You know, building the habit rather than trying to like work out four hours a day and you know you're only going to make it a week or two before you stop mm-hmm. yeah that reminded me of a an, i don't know if he's an olympic trainer i think an olympic uh trainer in combat sports i think it was brazilian jiu-jitsu anyway world-class coach in brazilian jiu-jitsu you, you'd think like a combat sport you would you know you go oh, get in there and hit hit the gym hard and you know always go hard 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 always trying to beat your and he's like no that's not how i do it he goes we'll do that two weeks leading up to a big competition or something but but the the daily routine you want it to be playful you want it to be fun you want them to want to come back the next day because otherwise you end up burning out and taking three months off he's like i'd rather have somebody yeah. go 80 percent and have fun five days a week than have them, you know, go hard eight hour days for, you know, three months and then get injured or burn out mentally. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 
you know, on balance, the sort of tortoise wins against the hare, you know, the sprinter. Yeah. So for something like as unforgiving as a, you know, a physical combat sport, like a hand-to-hand combat sport, it's it's hard to ignore the benefits of like a a flossing style or a gardening style routine versus that kind of like, you know, feast famine, I'm going to go out and put in all my effort and make up for all of the time. It's like flossing 365 times the night before your dentist appointment. <laughs> Ouch. It, do, it doesn't produce the same outcome <laughs> if you have any teeth left at all. Exactly. All right. So we're probably beating a dead horse at this point. Dead buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good. We'll take our spears and go home. Right. All right, folks. Uh, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.